Hello and welcome to this, the latest podcast from Herbert Smith Freehills. I'm Mike Petruk and today I'm joined by Alex Oddy, partner in our disputes practice, Emma Dees, senior associate in the same practice, and Gideon Cohen, co-founder of the litigation analytics firm Solomonic. Today we're going to explore what rigorous data and analytics means for legal practitioners, how decision-making will change for their clients, and how data and analytics will help lawyers and clients assess litigation as both a risk and as an asset. So, Gideon, if I may turn to you first, can you please explain for us what Solomonic have been doing and what insights are available? Sure. Solomonic is the first UK-based litigation analytics platform. We've analysed thousands of judgments, both in the commercial court and in the Chancery Division. What that allows users to do is to analyse judicial behaviour on a judge-by-judge basis, using a series of dashboards to interrogate cases by their type, industry sector, what remedies being sought, and so on. It also allows users to analyse broader court trends and litigation trends and see how different parties have been behaving in the court. So that adds a whole dimension of what we might call business intelligence data as well. Thank you, Gideon. And Emma, could you explain how Herbert Smith Freehills has been using Solomonic What does it mean for the way that we as a firm handle disputes? So for us, um, having access to a tool like Solomonic means that we are really starting to execute the core skills of litigation quite differently. The case law has always been available to analyse judicial behaviour and the base rate prospects of success for any particular type of claim. But what we haven't had is the tools to do that analysis with the speed to make a difference to, for example, an interim application. So now we can use tools like Solomonic to better target both our resources and our legal research and to shape our arguments to the forum that they're going to be made in. Thank you, Emma. Alex, if I may turn to you now, could you talk to us a little bit about what that means in terms of mindset and in terms of approach? Well, I think there's something of a change in mindset needed, Mike. We need to start thinking like disputes management consultants, in my view. And what I think that means is to continue thinking around unbundling, something, a concept which has been familiar for a while, but then trying to work out where there are opportunities to use litigation analytics to secure marginal gains through the process. So by way of example, Solomonic currently includes data on English litigation judgments. But there's a a wealth of information within the platform that can also assist arbitration lawyers or practitioners in other common law jurisdictions that look to English law and the English courts. Of course, you've got to know where to look and you've got to think about how you deploy it. But that's what I mean by starting to unpack the way in which we look at dispute resolution processes. Wonderful. Thank you, Alex. Decision-making in the context of litigation has traditionally been based on the long experience, judgment and gut instinct of disputes lawyers. How would you say these developments in analytics that you're talking about challenge or support the role of experience? Well, picking up and developing my theme of change of mindset, we need to understand that disputes lawyers are humans and humans show cognitive biases. There's plenty of research in the fields of psychology and decision science to show that. So one of the things that I think is important is to start changing our approach to advising on prospects of success, moving away from a single point 
single number percentage prospects of success, which is a very difficult thing to do, and certainly difficult to do accurately, and trying to break it down into a series of constituent elements and multiple questions. That's the process that super forecasters do, for those who are familiar with the book of the same name. And it involves a different discipline and way of thinking to incorporate a whole range of pieces of information to a multifaceted decision and then to keep updating those as we go. And to support that process, that's really where we can bring the data in to assist. So if you think of, for example, the traditional approach for giving advice, lawyers grudgingly or fudgingly give advice that tends to come pretty closely either side of 50% when they're thinking about prospects. But if we start to break that process down, we can use the data as an input to really assist with decision making. So Solomonic supplies the base rate data, which allows you to benchmark as a litigator your, your advice and your thinking. And you can say, this is how an average case of this type has historically behaved, and use that as a starting point to think hard about how the particular case you're looking at might differ and how you might have to adjust that figure moving the needle one way or the other to account for the particular facts of the individual case you're looking at. To give one example of how that process might happen, you can take the example of Arbitration Act appeals. And we know intuitively or from experience that those are difficult to win. But once you get into the hard data that will tell you, for example, that one kind of appeal fails more than 84% of the time, that is a different starting point to think about the strengths of the particular appeal you might be contemplating, and also to have a different conversation with your client about whether they really wish to proceed and whether they've taken into account all of the relevant risks. Thank you, Gideon. Emma, before we started recording today's podcast, you were talking to me about the approach that Herbert Smith Freehills has been working on. Would you mind telling our audience a little bit about that, please? Yeah, so to pick up on Gideon's point about uh, Solomonic providing base rate data, we in the HSF disputes team have been helping clients to understand whether their case is better or worse than the base rate through our decision analysis service. And what we do is we build bespoke decision trees using a team of highly numerate and experienced lawyers and use a series of visualisation tools to show that output. And we use these, working together with the individual matter teams who are managing the cases, to help our clients understand litigation risk in terms of a spectrum of quantitative outcomes. But is there really client demand for viewing decisions in this way? It sounds pretty different to traditional advice in letters and uh, in opinions. Well, Mike, unequivocally, the answer is yes. After all, many of the decision makers that we work with are typically taking their business decisions based on financial information, uh, in other words, numbers. And we found that clients, whether they're in-house lawyers or board-level decision makers in the C-suite, find that when we're presenting legal risk and decisions in relation to legal risk in that way, that's something which resonates and makes the concepts inherently easier to deal with. Thank you, Alex. Gideon, are there any risks in this approach from from your perspective? I think there are, actually. One of the issues as we work with data is understanding whether the particular statistic you're looking at 
is statistically significant or is just the product of chance. And on the Solomonic platform, we've developed ways to help the user understand statistical significance um, and whether, based on the algorithms we've developed, the data looks like it's showing a real trend or might just be the product of chance. Of course, that doesn't mean that the data is worthless if there are only a small number of data points, because if your case is in front of a particular judge, you're still going to want to locate and think about how they've faced similar situations in the past, even if there are only a few examples. But it does underscore the importance of making really careful use of the data so that one is utilizing the information that is out there without overreading or being too aggressive in the conclusions one's drawing from that. Emma, what's your take on this? So from a decision analysis perspective, we face a similar challenge. The risk is that when we build decision trees, the decision makers will become enthralled to the numbers and in particular focus on a single number, which will be seen as representing the chance of winning. And in that way, it is possible to lose sight of the fact that the data the decision tree provides helps to visualise and contextualise a decision, but it's not the be-all and end-all. I think that's really important. And in practice, one of the features that we need to keep reinforcing when we build these trees and work with clients is that especially when decision makers are looking at litigate or settle decisions, these are not knife edge, fine point decisions. In reality, in almost every dispute, there lies a range or zone within which a settlement is going to be possible. And so we're using the base rate data from Solomonic to inform us about what the general, the average position is. We're using our decision tree to build a better picture of understanding where our case sits relative to the average. And then we're understanding whether we lie within a zone that makes a settlement a reasonable thing or whether we're clearly outside of it. And of course, different organisations and different decision makers can have different appetites to risk as well. So whilst these tools are really powerful, it also requires us to be quite thoughtful in terms of the way we explain and use them. I understand. So the idea of developing different and broader skills is key here. Emma, could you tell us what this has meant for clients and lawyers at Herbert Smith Freehills? Well, as you say, Mike, there's new tools available and we need to adapt. This is an old trope of I'm a lawyer, I don't do numbers. And it just doesn't work anymore, if it ever did. And I think part of this is also being open minded to accept that no matter how experienced we are, there are always new ways of working and thinking. Now that can be forced on us. Just look at how we've all been forced to adapt our work patterns with COVID-19 over the last several weeks. Those who weren't fans of working from home or connecting via electronic platforms are now doing it day in, day out. But it can also be, but changes can also be made voluntarily if we adopt a growth mindset. Now, if we look ahead to dispute resolution over the next 10 or 20 years, some of the tools that we will be using at the end of this decade are still a twinkle in the eye of a legal tech entrepreneur and a software developer who are collaborating in Shoreditch in London or in Silicon Valley. There's going to be a process of evolution and collaboration between private practice lawyers, between in-house lawyers and, of course, the legal tech community to help serve clients better. If it's all about helping clients, if it's all about serving clients better, as you say, and helping them reach better informed decisions, 
What skills do lawyers need for this to happen? Gideon, perhaps you could start us off with this one. Sure. Well, picking up on Alex's dispute management consultant theme from earlier, once lawyers are accessing the data and thinking about how to use it, the opportunities will just start to multiply. It is tempting to characterize every dispute as unique, but in truth, if you stand back and analyze these things, you can look for patterns and commonality. And that gives the opportunity to improve the quality of the predictions that you're making and that you're explaining, and to find some key efficiencies in decision-making. I think from my perspective, we need to look at the core skills professional training, which we'll just have to develop to take into account these advancements. It was only a few years ago that technology like predictive coding, for example, for document review was developing, but it's now a, a key and core skill. Using analytics, the technology associated with it will inevitably follow in the same way. So from what I've heard uh, from the discussion so far, there's much to be gained and clearly nothing to be lost by adopting the approach that all three of you have outlined so far. My final question today, though, is this. What will success look like? Gideon, could I start with you? Sure. So we think the data provides huge opportunities to make advice more rigorous, to research counterparties more thoroughly, and to find those golden nuggets of data that will help you persuade a particular judge. I think litigators will just see that adding up over time, and eventually it will become hard to recall what it was like in the old days litigating in a data vacuum. And from my perspective, I think the measure of success, Mike, will be more efficient dispute resolution because disputants and their legal advisors are going to be able to identify the cases which need to be resolved that much more quickly. And if they can resolve them more quickly, they will save costs, which is desirable for you know, all organisations. That's always an objective. Conversely, when they identify the cases that they feel they need to fight because there are points of principle, because they need guidance on the meaning of contracts or, or, or untested points of law, then they're going to do that in a way which is much better informed and they'll be better prepared in terms of tailoring and honing their arguments. So for me, those are the, the opportunities that arise and, and help shape what success will look like. Thank you, Alex. Well, that's all for today's podcast. My thanks to you, Alex, and to Emma, partner and senior associate in our disputes practice, and of course to you, Gideon, Gideon Cohen, co-founder of Solomonic. If you want to find out more, visit herbertsmithfreehills.com and search for decision analysis, or email Alex via alexander.oddy at hsf.com. You can reach Gideon through info at solomonic.co.uk or via the website solomonic.co.uk. Do, of course, let us know what you thought of today's discussion and if you have any questions you want us to answer in the future. Thanks for listening.